And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Uh, Doc? That's me. Nerds going punk. Oh. What does that mean? Don't want to be a stupid idiot. Don't want to oh. be like Jimmy Marvin Luder. Because if I was, it'd be a real pity yet. I'd have to hit myself with a Roto-Rooter. What? Welcome to the new era in wrestling. We are just comfortably nestling. The gift of Jericho, it is so sad. We are just drinking in, man. That is the Savior's one true plan. If we don't abide, we know what we'll get. It. <laughs> Don't want to be a stupid idiot Like that Tom Phillips, he's a protozoan We just want to be like our best friend Universal Champion Kevin Owens <laughs> Alright Every Monday we see the Ayatollah Scarfed and goateed, such a rock and roller Chris Jericho is such an ideal heel He's so insulting, we hate him so badly. But when he's funny, we just love him madly. Never sure which way we should feel. Yeah! Dance break! Okay. Um, so this is interesting. How much more is there? One more verse. All right. Because you told me you gave me grief earlier for not finishing songs. Well, I think we made the right choice that time. So please stop being a stupid idiot. You're whining, you must cease and desist. For if you don't, there's just one place to go. Chris Jericho will put you on his list. 2016, here's the conversation. All across the wrestling nation is Jericho the greatest of all time. Either way, there is no disclaimer. He's a sure for Hall of Famer. His work this year has been sublime. Oi, 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 oi. Ned DC. That's the best part. Yep, that's the best part. Well, at least something was. And I, I liked it. That was all right. That was pretty good. Hello there, wrestling fans. I'm DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, joined as always by Doc Manson at Doc Manson. Um, it might not seem like it, but that was recorded about 15 minutes ago. I was like, I, sh- I should try to finish it because I have uh, Matthews Manor to myself, and I won't get weird oh. looks from Mrs. Matthews if I start. St- quote unquote singing in a punk accent so I hurried home and tried to get it down alright well I mean that's a pretty good attempt thank you I mean you're telling me that you just you know 
crapped this thing out in 15 minutes. Well, I most mean, of it was written already. I finished it and then recorded it relatively quickly. I might go back and re-record it when I have time and try to polish it up a bit. But I think there's something there, though, actually. that's I, I like the accent. That was, it threw me off at first. Um, but I think, especially when by the time it got to the chorus, uh, it, it worked very well. It took me a while to get the right accent. And again, I would usually go back and re-record it, but I was trying to do it before we were set Tonight. we were set to go, so it took a while to develop, but So are you planning then to just record a new Nerd DC song for every episode? That's asking of... that's asking a lot. It sure is. But I mean is that your plan? I'm not asking No, that is actually not my plan. My plan is to record as the spirit moves me and as things come to me, but no, I do not plan to recording every week. It just so happened that I had a burst of inspiration with Nerdonomics and the Justin Timberlake song that nobody liked. So, <laughs> it, so it just so happened it happened three weeks in a row or so, but there might be another lull. We'll see. Maybe something will come to me in the next week and maybe it will happen I had one idea but I don't remember where I wrote it down it's in a pocket of some pair of pants at some point how you doing there doc how's how's life post clash of champions how you feeling about the world what's going on I've not I don't know things are good I guess um you know there's there's definitely too much wrestling but um you know, I'm I'm making I'm making do, I guess. How about yourself? I am doing good. I hear tell that you have a seasonal concoction for Shocktober. We're actually days away from the actual month of October. Is that your favorite month of the year? Is Oct- Absolutely. I mean, name a month that's better. April. Name a month that's better. April. What's better about April? Uh, I get a week off of work, and uh, it's our favorite podcasters. And by that, I mean ourselves' birthdays. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Um, but you know, but, I like yeah. October too. Yeah. My favorite month is really my know. favorite month is July because that's the one month of the year where I do not work at all. I work part of June. I work part of August. But July, I, I do not work unless I choose to. But either way, you have a you have a seasonal concoction for us. What do you got there? What's in the glass? Uh, well, as I you know sent out on my Instagram earlier today, Instagram. this is the International Delight Pumpkin Pie Spice Iced Coffee. Um, and you know this is I mean to call it iced coffee, I think is generous. I don't know if you've ever had any of these International Delight um, coffee beverages. They come in you know, a little milk carton type thing. Uh, none of them, in my opinion, are coffee. They're really more a coffee-themed milk beverage, if you want to imagine, almost like a Nesquik or something. Okay, so now... That happens to be coffee-like. Explain this to someone who has never drank a full cup of coffee in his life. What do you? How are you distinguishing the two? So when does it stop becoming coffee and start becoming a coffee-themed milk beverage? Well, you know, coffee is 
primarily a water-based drink that you may mix with some amount of dairy or other substance, but still, when you are extracting, you know, the coffee into something, it's into water, so it's the primary sort of solvent there. Um, in this case, though, I, I don't really feel like that's the case. I feel more like this is just wa uh, coffee-flavored milk. It's not really milk, though. I don't think there's actually lactose in it, but it's got that thickness to it. It's got that consistency, that creaminess. Um, I don't know. It's it's good, but it's just, it's just sugary. And, um, you know, it, it, I, they are good. It, it, it serves a purpose in the mornings, a quick cold coffee flavored thing i don't think you really should go to them for the caffeine or anything like you would with a normal cup of coffee they're just sort of you know pleasurable and enjoyable almost dessert like treats really um, so it's a that you get to pretend is you know good because it's it's coffee right you get to pretend it's not just dessert in a cup so it's milkshakey is what i'm hearing yeah, like a thin milkshake, I guess. Sure. And yet you have ice in it. Is that because you just brought it home, or do you often drink milk beverages with ice? Well, I put ice in there because this is supposed to be an iced coffee, so I think probably the most uh, you know, honest way to enjoy it, for lack of a better term, would be to put it on ice, right? I, I, that seems to be the case, uh, in, in my mind anyways. So, you know, I, I, I will admit here, I, I put too much ice in this glass, and at this point, it's rather watered down. Um, so it's not as good now as it was when I first poured it, but it's got a nice thickness. It's got a richness to it. It definitely has pumpkin pie um, flavor all over it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, I like these iced coffee beverages. Like I said, I, I, they're not really iced coffee. These iced coffee themed beverages, desserts in a glass, if you will. And this one is delicious. So, I mean, is it your Is it your favorite flavor? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for a nice vanilla latte or a mocha. But, you know, for the month of October or the season of Shocktober, I suppose, given that it is still September, you know, uh, this is a nice treat. I'm glad to have it around for the next week or so or two, you know, depending on how long it takes me to get through it. Uh, I, I recommend it. International Delight, uh, pumpkin pie spice, coffee-themed beverage. Now, dessert in a cup. I, I, I wanted to t have this conversation with you based on last week's show. And last week okay. we were live in Manson Mansion discussing things. You started eating the pumpkin concoction before we went on the air. And if we're going to be reviewing these treats, it would seem to me that it would make the most sense to not begin to consume them until the show itself starts. Well, the problem is the show had started when I began consuming it. But then you expected me to sit through like five minutes of nerd DC crap. So I got, you know, a little distracted in the mouth region over here. And I had to, you know, fill that with pumpkin spice cupcake last week. Uh, it, it just it just happened. I, I apologize. You're right. You, you what you say makes the most sense. Uh, but it, it just it could not be avoided last week. Uh, it could not be avoided. Mr. President, did you have relations with that woman? No, I just got distracted in the mouth region. <laughs> For... Well, I think in that case, she got distracted in the mouth Well, that's region. true. Well, that's true. All right. I, I don't know why I went that way, but I did. Um, I... You know which way I'm going? 
I'm going the way of the Weekly Wrestling News Episode 4 having eight less listens than By the Book 6. Uh, I, I have no defense. I don't know. Maybe because it was longer. Maybe people want a longer wrestling news. Maybe people are hoping for you know a half-hour wrestling news. I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe By the Book is a better show. Let's not go that far. It was an hour. I wouldn't know because I haven't listened. Of course to it, not. But you know, I mean, but, but perhaps it is. About I'd it. like to point out I've listened to every Manson Family podcast and every episode of the Weekly Wrestling News. You are a good sport. I want to share my seasonal concoction. You have a seasonal concoction. Um, well, if if you count uh, Girl Scout cookie time a season, sure. I don't. It's not. The Shocktober season, but I had one of these in the freezer, and I wanted to try it. This is, I believe, the Hood Ice Cream Company. I think it's Hood. Um, offers up a Thin Mint Ice Cream Bar. It is a okay. It is a uh, cylinder-shaped. Oh, mine is melted a little bit, so it's already broken open. But I'll hold it up there for you. It is a kind of cil- cylinder-shaped. It's essentially a Klondike bar uh, with chocolate on the outside with a little bit of peppermint, but it's got uh, chocolate... What's supposed to be thin mint ice cream? So let me see. Okay, so I'm having I'm having trouble um, telling the relative size. I mean, could you compare that to like a ring ding? I don't know uh, the size of a general ring ding. I can compare it to my iPhone. Which iPhone is that? An iPhone five. Okay. All right. That's helpful. All right. So, so it's a little bit bigger than the width of that. Fo- okay. All right. Go ahead. All right. So let's see if I can find the right place to crunch. Oh man, I mean, it's I'm not totally sure falling that I, apart. I'm really not sure that I I, I, I qualify this as a seasonal. Oh treat. god, and mouth is so much everywhere. <laughs> oh, the humanity! I wish we did a Google Hangout of this show because people deserve to watch you shoving this ice cream bar. Into your I have to at this point. It's so melted. Oh, God. It's it's incredibly melted, but it's all over both of your hands. There's no way we're going to be able to continue this entire pot. He just shoved three quarters of that thing. He's going to choke. He put three quarters of it into his mouth at once. He's going to spit it out. I swear. This is the most irresponsible thing you have ever done on this show, DC. Oh, man, we really... Uh, folks, We I wish there was video of this that could be shared, because this was... This was a moment. All right. This was Hold on, moment. I've recovered. Have and you? I'm proud enough to say, none on my shirt, which for me is saying something. I, I'm actually sort of impressed that you have some sort of napkin there. Um, you came prepared. It's a Rorschach test. What do you see? <laughs> I see a jack o There you go. Um, we should talk about Watchmen at some point. It does not taste like a Thin Mint. You know, a th- it has a pepperminty flavor, but I distinguish between a pepperminty flavor and a Thin Mint. Oh, for sure. I don't get a Thin Mint taste. However, it is delicious. It's chocolate ice cream that is minty with a chocolate shell, and it's better when fully frozen, not that monstrosity that... I got all over. Oh, I it's mean, on the chair. I could see putting that in like a bowl and eating it with like a spoon, a nice meltiness. I think there could be something. In to hindsight, that. that's what I should have done. Mm. But uh, 
Oh, hindsight is twenty twenty. It is indeed. Um, but, you know, quite good. You can pick them up. They have Reese's peanut butter ones. I uh, believe you can pick them up at your local Mega Mart. It should be in the frozen section in the ice cream confections area. Again, it is not seasonal, but it was the best I could do under the conditions. I had a delicious apple cider donut from a local farm stand. If I had been thinking, I would have stopped there and picked it up because it was truly magnificent. All right, we've hit the 16-minute mark, I suppose. Well, I don't... I mean, before we actually do get into the transition you're trying to make, um, I don't know if you've seen, though, the uh, Girl Scouts have also released, like, a series of, you know, boxed baking, baked goods. Like, you know, you can go and pick up a box of brownies. Well, they have, like, cupcakes that are Samoan-themed um, and... Mm-hmm. I mean, a few other things. I forget what they all are, but uh, we actually do have a few of those in the house. And we did make the Samoan cupcakes, I think, uh, the weekend before last, and those were delightful. Where is uh, where's Mrs. Manson? Get her on the case. Get her baking. I know, right? She, she enjoys, uh, maybe, she enjoys baking. She does. She bakes all sorts of things. What's her latest baking creation? Um... And it was a pumpkin, chocolate chip, coconut, cream cheese, earthquake cake. That's like eight things. Yeah, it's like it's like a pumpkin cake that had chocolate chips in it. And in it was like two layers of cake. And in the middle was like this cream, homemade cream cheese sort of frosting mixed with coconut. Um don't you get to a point where you can no longer distinguish between multiple flavors? It was delicious, and you could taste every flavor. Maybe my palate is not as advanced, but I, you know, if if I, there's more than four or five things going on, it you know it can still taste good. But like you see these people on TV who can distinguish. Oh, I'm picking up this, and now I'm getting this you know floral note in the back of my mouth. I don't get that. I get good. Out of curiosity. How much do you think the neighborhood thinks that we weigh? <laughs> um, well. Neighborhood, write in and let us know. Take, take a guess. Wrestling at gmail. Take a guess, because I'll, I'll, put, I'll put out that I am currently about, I would guess, 30 pounds less than my top weight that I was when we were roommates. Oh, Okay. All right, that's pretty good. I also am at sort of a decade low myself. So. Well, my decade low came about five years ago when I got married, but oh, <coughs> I'm doing all right. You have a different reason. You were you were eating differently for, for various reasons. True, and that's pretty much all gone well, now. So. I'm delighted to hear it. <laughs> have you had a pumpkin ale yet? I have. That should be next week. I... Next week there should be a pumpkin ale on... On DDT Wrestling for October. Absolutely. I look forward to maybe doing that next time. All right. Well, now that we have wasted all of your time with 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Of, you know, my hands are going to be sticky for at least another couple hours. Um, the world of wrestling there, Doc Manson at Doc Manson. We've got uh, a pay-per-view in the books next week. We'll do our uh, prediction and production show for the next pay-per-view because uh, No Mercy is coming up October 9th. So, do you remember that 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 statement I made right at the beginning of the show? 
There's too much wrestling. There is too much wrestling. There is. Yeah, there is. There is indeed. Uh, But let's talk about it because that's what the good people of the neighborhood come to expect from us. Uh, In as short a sentence or sentences as you would like, as short a statement as you would like, uh, your thoughts on Clash of Champions. Meh. Okay. I thought it was probably significantly better than meh. I enjoyed it. Uh, I won't say it was fantastic in a pay-per-view to write home about, but I thought it was a consistently decent to above-average show. And I let me tell you, let me tell you about problems with Clash. All right, go ahead. The only title change that occurred was Roman Reigns winning a title. That's a problem. Okay. Number two. Triple H still has not reappeared or addressed anything that happened from the last pay-per-view. The last event. Yeah, I know he showed up after the show and kissed Stephanie and they got into the car together and whatever. That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing at all. They are squandering my intrigue that, you know, if it existed a month ago, no longer really does exist Um, so, you know, they took something that was an interesting story, wondering what's going on, and now they've just done nothing with it, and at this point, I'm kind of just like, meh. So, you don't have interest in long-term storylines? I have interest in long-term storylines if they have progression. Well, they had a progression, and let's say if at Hell in a Cell, Triple H makes himself known. You know, does Triple H have to make himself known in every big match Seth Rollins has in order to justify what they're doing here? I guess not, but I would have liked to have heard something about it by now. That's my own personal sort I, of thing. I will agree with you. I was I was playing devil's advocate. I will agree with you. It is unusual um, that he has not shown up. I do not like the game that they are playing, pardon the pun, with Stephanie and Mick Foley, this will-we-won't-we-trust kind of thing? There's no game. There's no game. Stephanie is clearly still just Stephanie. Well, and... Like, this is an interesting television. There was a moment, there was a couple of moments there where I was led to believe, and maybe shame on me for feeling so, that this was going to be something different. Like, Triple H was honestly acting independently. And while Stephanie doesn't have a problem with the net result of what happened, she was not aware that it was going to happen. And I thought that was particularly interesting if they continued that. But now they're making it seem well, more and more like they're, you know, the, the, in cahoots. The night after, the night after it happened... They had that little meeting backstage right at the beginning of Raw. Foley and Stephanie, real intense. That shy girl with the smile or whatever that promo was that he gave. And she convinced him that he should believe her. And the moment he turned his back and walked away, she had her evil little smirk on her face. And yeah, there was a little bit right there. Will they, won't they, will they? But they tipped their hand immediately saying, oh yeah, okay, Stephanie's just being 
just being dirtbag Stephanie like usual. Like, I, you know, I my my overall problem with Raw is it's the exact same show we've been watching for years now. SmackDown, the authority figures are there. Yes, they do make themselves known, but they're inserting themselves into multiple storylines. They're actually controlling their show at all levels. Whereas on Raw, they're basically just telling one storyline, the main event storyline. And the main event storyline really is not about the wrestlers involved in it. It's about the authority. <coughs> it's about the authority pulling the strings. And that is the exact same story they have now told me for three or four years on end. And probably longer than that, if you want to go to other authority figures. But I'm just, I'm just talking about Triple H and Stephanie as the authority. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, how am I supposed to be engaged at this point? Well, and I think that is part of the problem because, you know, adding Mick Foley was ideally going to make things at least somewhat more interesting, but now, you know, Mick Foley even went so far as to post about it on social media. He's just made to look like an either naive idiot or a wimp because he goes and confronts Stephanie and she talks and he cowers down. And it's like, that to me, you know, I enjoy Raw, and I've talked about this on By the Book. I tend to watch Raw more than SmackDown, and I was trying to figure out why that was. But that part has held has absolutely no interest to me whatsoever, is this whole Stephanie McFoley angle. My question to you, and I didn't see necessarily the whole thing, but was Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, were they on SmackDown this week? I... Don't remember if they were or not, no. This was the first week that I don't remember seeing, you know, uh, he didn't come out for The Miz, he didn't come out for the women, He nobody was a part of the AJ and Ambrose and Cena thing. This might have been an authority-less SmackDown. And, and that I, was a good thing. I do think you, you have touched on a major difference between Raw and SmackDown, which is part of the reason why SmackDown so definitively seems to win the week, as it were, air quotes. Um, but at the same time, you know, that notwithstanding, and you, you expressed your, your issues with Clash of Champions, I thought the matches were pretty good. Most of the matches I, were quite good, yeah. I, I talked about this on By the Book. Um I think the match placement of the U.S. title match was a little odd because going into it, we were 90% sure, I would say, that a title would change hands. And then once you realized, okay, the tag title stayed, the cruiserweight title stayed, the women's title stayed, we're pretty sure the universal title is going to stay. The writing was on the wall as soon as Roman Reigns walked out that he was most likely going to win that U.S. title, which did not do him any favors with the fans, yourself included. Not that yep. you were probably going to watch that match anyways. But. Well, you know, but I mean, okay, so Nia Jax versus Alicia Fox, that didn't really do much for me. Um, the second match of the night cemented for me that Gallus and Anderson are non-entities in the WWE. They are done. Apparently. They are toast. TJ Perkins had a good match. Uh, Sheamus versus Cesaro, I mean, that was a good, solid wrestling match. But having them fight to a no contest 
at the end of a best of seven series, which was really nine. a best of nine series, is just kind of it's very deflating. You know what I mean? And yep. and that's a good majority of the card that we just talked about being well, sort of and underwhelming. The women's triple threat, which was fine. It was fine. I have no real complaints. It was just fine. The U.S. title match was fine. You might not like the result. And I thought the main event was good. I liked Owen versus Rollins. Zane and Jericho was, you know, fine. That, to me, was the most underwhelming. I expected that to steal the show, and I didn't feel like it did. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think... <sighs> Roman Reigns and Rusev was fine, but, like, mm -hmm. it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I, I thought it was a, a solid pay-per-view. The matches were good. I had questions about some of the results, but I think we're always going to have questions with some of the results. Um, and sure. you know what? In, in, a, in an era when we're going to get two pay-per-views a month, if we can have two solid pay-per-views as Backlash and Clash of Champions were, we're in a good place. Yeah, so. I mean, again, I, I do wish Clash of the Champions, Clash of Champions... I wish I actually wish it had been a better, stronger show. Um, Can't you say that about every show? Unless it's you know a home run from start to finish, won't we always hope for more? I wouldn't say that about Backlash. Backlash was a pretty good show. Like, I, I don't really have any complaints. Do you feel like, and I, this is a non-judgmental question. I mean, I'm trying to phrase it that way. Do you feel like? wrestling fans in general are going to identify with one show versus the other, primarily SmackDown over Raw, <clears throat> and are just going to be predisposed to see everything the blue brand does as superior to the red brand? I mean, I guess there's a possibility of that, but I'm telling you, DC, if you want me to break out the sweet science, I can. No, no, because but I... Raw is inferior to the blue brand their stories are not as complex they've got three major storylines going on right now that emit that all three amount to squash matches darren young i mean it should be just be make darren young disappear again right well, because he's gone he's gone titus is gone They've been replaced by Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan in the cruiserweight division. Yeah, I mean, cruiserweights are fine, but they're still, I think, establishing themselves at this point. Um, I, I, don't, I don't care for what they've done with the cruiserweights so far. I mean, they've been good matches, but just having like brief video packages of who these guys are, I mean, I, maybe I'm a little biased because I watched all that already in the cruiserweight, um, classic, but at the same time, like you're just doing all these multi-person matches, not really giving us any time to digest or learn the them as individuals. And it, what are they going to do? Just every week for the next four to five weeks, have different people on the show because their cruiserweight division is that large. I well, and I find it interesting that they've brought out who they've brought out. You know, I. I enjoyed the fact that the mascot of DDT Wrestling, Lince Dorado, was part of Monday Night Raw. But, you know, Jack Gallagher, Noam Dar, like the names, uh, some of the big names that they said were going to be part of this have yet to show up. 
Right. And, you know, they've got Drew Gulak, and I'm excited for him. I like Victor Crumb. But is he a long-term part of the Monday Night Raw storyline? I don't know. Because I, I would hesitate to say that there has been any storyline. So, so here is my question. WWE calls you up eight weeks ago and says, Doc, we're doing this cruiserweight thing. We've heard you on DDT Wrestling. We've heard you on a private earful. You are the voice that speaks to us the most. Please plan out the first few months of the cruiserweight division for us. If you were running that particular division and they said you've got two to three segments a night on Monday Night Raw, how would you plan it to try to make it a better show? I mean, what you just described is a better show than what they've done. Two to three segments a night where you get to be introduced to two of the competitors at a time and learn them as individuals. They haven't even tried that yet on well, Monday Night but Raw. To be fair, on Monday Night Raw this week, there were two cruiserweight segments. There was the tag team match, and then there was TJ Perkins versus Damian Sandow, Elias Sampson guy. There yeah. were two. And I, and yes, I said this. And you, I said this. You're missing the important part of what I said. Introducing the two guys and going slow. Yeah. Yeah. You have you, you have, have a tag match. A tag match. You have you Cedric Alexander. Any of the four people involved doesn't seem like a good decision. You have Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak or whomever, and you actually take time to get to know them. I thought it was a little odd, unless I missed it. Was Brian Kendrick on Raw? You know. Couldn't tell you. Uh, I, and, you know, what, what I would have done the first night when I, after I'd been hyping up the cruiserweight division for months, uh, I would have had my champion out there at the beginning of Monday Night Raw at 8 p.m. Making a grand entrance and saying, this is the guy who is going to lead this division. And you know what? He is so incredibly awesome. He's going to be in a match right now. And just boom. Boom. Kick the show off with an incredible match, the work rate of which has not been seen on Monday Night Raw in as many years, and then later in the show have another one-on-one -on -one match, and then maybe you know nine o'clock hour, and then ten o'clock hour another one-on-one -on -one match. Introduce us to six different people in this division, and get some legs under somebody, and then the second week have stars reoccur so that the audience gets reinforcement as to who these people are and the next time they see them they don't go who's this guy who looks like victor crumb again that's what i would do if i was in charge okay i like you where you're going my question then to you would be and you know you can answer it however you wish but if you had to start the week before a pay-per-view how do you oh i uh, i wouldn't how about that I knew that was what you were going to answer. I would have, you know, I would have had, you could have easily done, you know, your three matches and the champion and the winners of the other two matches have a triple threat match for the title at the pay-per-view. And, you know, it's Pe Perkins versus Kendrick versus Cedric Alexander. Now, I have a conspiracy theory that I proposed on by the book that they intentionally held TJ Perkins off of Monday Night Raw so that they could unveil his spectacular video game entrance and music at the pay-per-view. 
whether yeah. or not that's actually true, I but don't know. But here's the question. Why would they do that? Because, I mean, to- even, even, with, even with the terrible raw rating from this past week going up against, you know, the debate, and we're talking actually about a couple of weeks ago, but even this week, with its terrible rating, there are more people watching raw than subscribe to the WWE network. True. And you can't tell me that, oh, well, it was a big thing, so they put it on the network to try to increase buy rates. No, 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 no. Nobody knew that his entrance was going to be interesting, so nobody was watching for that. That didn't accomplish anything business-wise. So I don't know if I necessarily buy into this conspiracy theory. Well, that, that is a fair counterpoint to the conspiracy theory that, you I mean, know. it's a cool spectacle, and to hold it back for a pay-per-view, for an event, yeah, sure, it makes those events maybe feel special, so maybe you increase subscriptions for the next event, it, it tells people, oh man, that was really cool, I wish I had seen that when it debuted, I mean, okay, yeah, maybe I'll give you that line of logic, but I don't know, it just doesn't really feel like a network seller to me. All right, so... We're saying now, I'm presuming, two weeks out, you are underwhelmed by the Cruiserweight division as you are underwhelmed by Monday Night Raw. I am glad that the Cruiserweights are there. I'm interested to see what they're going to do. But I think that all things considered, the handling up to now could have been better, more respectful, and maybe helped establish some of these guys in a way that they, you know, have not done. Mm-hmm. I wondered that when I started watching Lucha Underground back in season one. Like, how could you, you know, how would you start from scratch and build a promotion where, by and large, with the exception of Johnny Mundo and then later on in the season, Alberto El Patron, you know none of these people. 90% of the people watching on Lucha Underground had no idea who Mil Muertes was, had no idea who Pentagon was, Phoenix all of them and they had you know and they had to try to build it up and i thought the same kind of thing they kept introducing these new people and i was having a very hard time keeping them straight yeah you know phoenix showed up in night one and i don't think showed up again for a couple of weeks and it was like well wait i liked that guy where did he go why are you showing me Aerostar from the cosmos and this guy with the creepy long dragon tongue where where's the other guy Right. I mean, so. I will say, watching Lucha Underground and having come in the middle of season two with no prior knowledge, their announcers do a wonderful job of sort of just filling in who these people are and why I'm supposed to care. As opposed to what's going on on Raw, where they show me a video package for 30 seconds to a minute, and then once the guy actually comes out, all storytelling ceases. So you blame Michael Cole, really, is what we're saying. It's Michael, it's, this is all Michael Cole's fault. Yeah, I mean, it's a mentality amongst the commentators in WWE. I mean, as much as I like Moro and how engaging I think he is, I don't know that he does any more storytelling than Michael Cole does. Do you feel like the cruiserweights would be improved if they began using more Mishinoku drivers? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So let's move off of Raw. I, I want, I'll, we'll come back to it. Uh, for a for a broader topic, I do want to broach at some point, but let's finish out the week here. Uh, SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler is putting his career on the line 
against The Miz, and I do not believe that title is going anywhere. I'm going to miss Dolph Ziggler. I think he's done. I honestly and truly, I've been saying it for weeks, I think he is 100% done, and next October 9th will be the last match of Dolph Ziggler's WWE career for now. You know, the possibility is out there that he could return in a couple of years, finding some sort of loophole or something. But I don't think this is something where he's going to wind up going to Raw. I don't think this is something where, you know, he's going to win the Intercontinental title. I truly and honestly believe he's done. Yeah, I think there's a good possibility that's the case. And if not, they've certainly sowed the seeds to where it's an intriguing storyline. It, it will be. And I'm interesting to find out exactly how it plays out. You know, people were talking about the passion with which he was cutting these promos lately. And I'm like, well, if you know you're winding down, yeah. You know, there's probably some emotion there because, you know, now granted, I'm I'm assuming this is happening willingly. It's not like he's going to be fired at the end. It's going to be a mutual parting of the ways. But, you know, I think he's doing some good work. I'm loving what The Miz is doing. And so the Miz yeah. is fantastic these days. Do you feel I had this? I had a conversation with someone on Twitter. We had a, you know, we disagree in which is just fine. Um, is the Intercontinental title a prestigious belt right now? Yes. And that was my that was my argument too. Her argument, and again, totally justifiable, and I can see the logic there, because it is not being defended on a regular basis, because Miz goes off and makes movies and all of that stuff, the title itself is not prestigious. Miz is a is a prestigious character, but the belt itself is not. And my counter to that was because he is a prestigious character, whatever gold he is holding is also therefore prestigious. Uh, I agree with your logic. And I mean, if you just want to kind of throw it back to the mid eighties or whatever, when titles were defended once or twice a year, were they less prestigious because they were only defended so infrequently? I don't think so. I think if you think back to those golden or silver days, uh, silver years of wrestling, you, you tend to think of those titles as being extremely sort of prestigious. So, again, the frequency argument to me um, doesn't ring very valid to my mm-hmm. ears, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. And so people are welcome to disagree and, again, voice their opinion. 100%. She you disagree? Ma- Send me an email. DDTWrestling at gmail.com. There you go. Tweet us at Doc Manson at DC Matthews NAI. She had some great points, and I could totally, like I said, I did see her logic. She was comparing it to, like, the U.S. title and how, you know, that was being, of, of the last few years, that's being defended more. And I could totally see the logic of saying, okay, maybe the Intercontinental Belt's not very prestigious right now. The storyline is working because Miz has heat. It's not about the belt. It's about Miz. But again, like while I think there is something to that, as you said, Miz's heat, I think, makes that title prestigious because he is holding it. Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I think when I think about SmackDown, a part of this is being the mid-card maven that I am. I pay more attention to that. When I think about SmackDown and the champions, I think about Miz before I think about Styles. And that's, that probably puts me in the minority, but I do. When I think of SmackDown, I think of The Miz, and now I think of The Usos, who are 10 days away from becoming tag team champions, I'm fairly certain. 
I don't disagree with you on any of that, but I will say uh, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and John Cena are killing the main event. It's, you know, I have been, I willingly admit, Seahawk, Seahawk can yell at me all he wants. I have not been paying much attention to the SmackDown main event right now. I need to go it's back. Great. I need to go back through and, and watch it. But I've I've heard good things. I enjoy all three guys, and they're they are different enough. You know, some some of the problems you get with triple threat matches are that the characters are not different enough to make it really enjoyable. Those three guys are so different, it works. And not only that, SmackDown has now this talking smack show that is actually worth watching i don't watch it actually i just sort of pay attention to the sound bites that come out mm-hmm. of it but you're getting i think more real sounding promos from these characters and it's happening outside of the two hours of smackdown allowing the show itself to focus a little bit more on the physical action and you have this show that is more dedicated to you know, the the verbal side of things and what's been sort of being churned out there again to me has been a different level than anything we've seen before. I mean, the Ms. Daniel Bryan stuff was excellent. And there are some sound bites from John Cena just this past week about Dean Ambrose that are incendiary. It honestly is some of the best stuff John Cena has been doing since you know, his thugonomic days, if that's what people always want to go back to. As a package, SmackDown is working in a way that I don't think anybody could have anticipated leading up to the brand split. Was it you who tweeted out, or maybe it was Jason Maltov, somebody tweeted out something where they believed that the SmackDown policy is, you know, go out and say whatever you need to say to make your opponent want to shoot you or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But no, it wasn't me, but, but it, it is it, right. it is very, very real. And that is I think that is how I would define SmackDown. You know. And I say that as the Usos are coming out to their whatever trap music is. Apparently so, there's a, such a thing called trap music, and that's what they come out to now with their thug hats and vests and whatever. But I uh, like how they now have the back pocket shirts just like uh the Hardys used to. I'm Right now, because Breezango apparently is not going to make my dreams come true, right now the Usos are my favorite SmackDown team. I I am enjoying them, and I think part of it is you hate them for so long and they are so boring and bland that anything different is good, and now they've gone completely different, and it's I'm captivated because it is so unlike what I'm used to from them. I think it was captivating when it first happened but i already see them slipping back into blandness now they're already becoming these bland bad guys again i think okay um maybe maybe, maybe they'll be wrong maybe they'll keep it fresh but they're still just doing that uso thing just now there's a negative spin on instead of a positive all right fair enough do you think monday night raw should go to a point where from 8 to 10 it's Monday Night Raw, then at 10 o'clock it's the Raw deal, and they do their own hour-long post-show, but on USA? I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's good to have differences between the brands, but, I mean, I will say, 
I don't think Raw is working for me very well. There's a lot of talent on there that I do like. When was but... the last time? When was the last time you watched Raw from eight to eleven? It was probably the draft, or maybe the week after the draft. The draft happened on SmackDown. Okay. So the week after the draft, maybe. Maybe. Sasha Banks winning the title, maybe. Maybe. All right. And do you watch SmackDown all the way through every time, 8 to 10? Yep. All right. Well, there you go. Raw, I, raw, I literally fall asleep on the couch, usually around 8.45. I can't even make it to the 9 o'clock hour anymore. I don't get tired like that for SmackDown. I don't know why. Nope, that's fair. That's fair, that's fair. I fell asleep during the women's triple threat match from Clash of Champions, but I, I mentioned this on By the Book that people can ask you. I fall asleep pretty regularly. Yeah. I used to and fall asleep I, I used I'll to fall asleep say, while we were watching pay per views. It was GQ and you and I, and I would be falling asleep on the couch at like ten. Yeah. All right. Well, that's me now. That's me now, I guess. Well, I there know. you go. Welcome to the dark side. I have a couple of big issue things. Uh, first of all, before this, uh, the Dusty Classic. Did you watch NXT? The Dusty Classic is back. I watch Lucha Underground on Wednesday nights. But you missed the birth of the greatest tag team since the revival. The well, gl- it's a good thing we're going to watch it on a private earful this week. Is I that what we're watching? Nice fresh. Is that what Unless we're watching? You- Unless you want to watch Total Divas Episode 2. We're not watching Total Divas Episode 2, but since you brought it up, Glorious Tens, that's all I'm going to say, the Glorious Tens. Okay, I think I saw some of that on Twitter. But uh, All right. We watched Total Divas Episode 1 on a private a earful decision. last week. I disagree. In fact, it was a I'm good gonna... show. I would, I would watch that entire series. On a private I, earful. I think you should get Mrs. Manson, who should be podcasting more. Even and she doesn't want to watch that show. Really? I don't think so. I mean, she can speak up. Not right now. She's not here. But when she hears this episode, um, if she disagrees, she can feel free to tell me. I challenge you, Mrs. Manson, whenever you hear this, I think that you should do a weekly show. We've got plenty of time. I'm just curious. I'm going to see... Yeah, see, here's the problem. If we look back on our A Private Earful, here's episode from September... No, that's a bad example. All right, September 3rd, 200 plays. September 10th, 157 plays. September 17th, 196 plays. September 24th, 156 plays. So what were we doing... Oops, no, I don't want to listen to Rant with Ant right now. I have already listened to every episode. Um... I don't know. Apparently, I was hoping that literally it would have gotten three listens and I would have justification to never watch an episode of that again. However, I want to talk... Sounds like everybody loves it. I want to talk big picture here. Um, Women's wrestling has come a long way in the last 18 months. We've had the Divas Revolution. Then we actually got something a little better than the Divas Revolution. We got it away from the gang warfare. Now we've got a competitive women's division on both brands. The question becomes, we're heading towards Hell in a Cell, the October pay-per-view. Doc Manson, in your esteemed opinion, will we ever get to a point 
in time where we will see a women's Hell in a Cell match. Yes. Does it happen this year or sometime in our future? I think there's a good case to be made for it happening this year. You think Sasha versus Charlotte is a big enough feud to justify a cell match? Could be. Depending on what happens between then and now. I want to ask you, and I want to have this discussion, how far can this go? You know, women's wrestling is, I won't say it's better than it's ever been before, but it's certainly a, a significant part of both brands. It is... You know, it is doing very well. Uh, New Age Insiders interviewed, I believe her name is Davienne, the I think she's the chaotic women's champion, or she's, you know, independent women's wrestler, currently, you know, growing and setting the world on fire. Women's wrestling is in a great place. What's the what's the peak? Are we are we going to be able to see a pay-per-view that is highlighted, that is main evented by a women's match? Will we get there? Will we get to women main eventing a women's match or a pay-per-view? Will we get to women having significant gimmick matches? Should I expect a female money in the bank next year? You know, are we I don't know. I don't think you really can because neither of those divisions are large enough for that. I mean, you were saying, you know, that you have both divisions well established on I forget exactly what your wording was but you would imply the beginning of this conversation I said a competitive I didn't say deep and I intentionally didn't say deep okay. but because raw is honestly Charlotte Sasha Bailey and that's their division to me that's three people yes i had suggested on by the book that the time had come for Nia Jax to move up not necessarily because she was ready but because there needs to be somebody other than those three and right. she I adds mean, at least another person. Dana's there, I guess. Emma's supposedly healthy. Paige is around. Summer Rae's injured. Alicia Fox, I think, we'll never see again. But but yeah, I mean, it really does feel like there's three people in that division, and that's about it. Because what Nia Jax has been doing, I mean, with Alicia Fox, has been its own sort of secular thing yes. off on its own. And then, you, you know, I think the only way you would do a female Money in the Bank match is you would do three from each brand. Three women from SmackDown, three women from Raw, a six-woman Money in the Bank ladder match, and the winner has the briefcase for their brand and their brand only. And it becomes a single brand storyline depending on who won. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. Um, Or you could, whoever wins, could maybe jump between shows. I mean, that'd be okay, too. That would be fine. You know, we had this discussion all across the neighborhood when we were gearing up for the brand split, was the women's division in WWE deep enough to justify two brands? You know, SmackDown does have six women who are competitive and featured relatively frequently on their shows, but it is only six. Yep. I mean, you know, if Emma and Paige were both around, that really would help things quite a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then you would have six or seven on a show. Because right now, you know, the question is, when Asuka makes her graduation to the main roster, where does she go? Right now, just looking at the needs, wouldn't she have to go to Raw? Probably. And it's funny because when we first were, you know, in those few weeks after the brand split, we were saying how Bailey needed to go to SmackDown. Um, 
I still don't think SmackDown has a great women's roster, um, but they are definitely making each of those women come into their own in a way that at least with the exception, I think, of Naomi, um, they're all sort of interesting and plausible characters in that title hunt. That's not the case on Raw now. Like I said, we've reduced that division to three people because of injuries and miscellaneous issues, I guess. So I, I do think that's very strange that for the division that we thought was anemic has now turned out to be the stronger of the two to some degree. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, Emma got hurt. Paige got suspended. and but she was hurt before that, though, so... True, she was hurt, know. then suspended. You know, you're bringing up Nia Jax in a way that's completely different. You know, Alexa Bliss and Carmella do not feel... Well, Alexa Bliss doesn't. Carmella still has a kind of rookie feel to her. But they do not feel as new. You know, they don't have the same brand new talent that Nia Jax right. does. Nia Jax, because of the way they've booked it, is the new girl on the block. <clears throat> Excuse me. So And she doesn't even seem like she's on the same block. No, that's true. She's it's her own thing. It's like Braun Strowman, you know. Where does Braun Strowman go after he's done squashing everybody? You know, do you put him immediately in the US title? Does he go after Roman Reigns? I guess so. Yeah, that's the question. So, anyways, getting back to the women, you know, so you think there's a good chance we see a hell in the cell match. How many cell matches do we get next month? Because this can't become lockdown. You cannot yeah, do I an mean, entire pay-per-view in a cell. I, I think three is too many. No, I agree. The, the tradition has always been two. Your main event, that, your main event and then an times, undercard. I think, a lot of times I think two is too many. So, uh, I don't know. Well, and, you know. and again, you get to the logistics of do you lower the cell and then do two cell matches back to back or I believe last year they lowered it raised it and then lowered it again yeah so I don't know I mean I could see doing women's match in there and then doing a main event match in there Owens versus Rollins I I guess I don't know I you know I don't know Hell in a Cell honestly doesn't do very much for me anymore well and it goes back to the whole idea that it's you're you're forcing these gimmick matches once a year. So whatever feuds are happening have to magically get personal enough to be justified in a cell. The whole notion of it was when two people are feuding so violently they can't be contained in any other structure, Hell in a Cell was created to settle their differences once and for all. Now it's just what happens in October. The same with TLC. TLC now happens every December. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm less offended by TLC because that seems more like a blow-off gimmick match where you can just sort of insert that at any time. And, oh, we're doing a thing with tables, ladders, and chairs now. All right, sure. That's kind of fun. But Hell in a Cell, to me, as you were you know stating so eloquently, that definitely used to mean... Yeah. Something When Shawn Michaels and, and The Undertaker now. fought in a cell, which I believe was the very first one, the feud merited it. They needed to create right. that match for the feud. Now, you know, you're going to put Sasha and Charlotte in there, which is novel, which is new, but I don't think the two of them hate each other to the point where, you know, again, another thing, I hate to keep 
plugging by the book. Feel free to plug Weekly Wrestling News all you want. Um, you know, unless they have a Taker versus Lesnar style fight where the entire roster needs to come hold them back, why would they need to be in a cell to solve their problems? That is a great question. All right. So, you know, I, I did wonder because we did watch Total Divas and we saw the birth of All Red Everything. We see, you know, we're, we're seeing where wrestling, where women in wrestling was, where this tag team match at the end of episode one, and I hate myself for knowing this, the Bellas versus the Funkadactyls match gets canceled at the last minute to now, you know, they're a featured part of every pay-per-view. And I just was curious as to your thoughts on the ceiling, you know, could women main event a pay-per-view in 2017? Yes, they could. Do you think they will? Is WWE going to devote enough time to a female storyline to give it top billing? I would even be okay with them co-main eventing. I don't think so. In, in, in the way, like, you know, WrestleMania usually has two or three marquee events. The women's title match, maybe last year was a marquee event, but it wasn't one of the big ones. You know, it's not Triple H Reigns. Like, it's not. If you know. you're asking me if a women's match is ever just going to straight up end the show like it has at TakeOver, I mean. I'm, right now is the best chance it's ever had. I'm going to answer and, the same way you are because I can see it on your face. Go ahead. No. Yeah. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen with these people on Raw right now. Yeah. That's the best thing I can say. You know, if it's going to happen, it'll happen with you them. You look ahead and you go, okay. Whether it's Sasha Banks and Asuka or Charlotte and, you know, there are some marquee women's matches that have not happened yet. Asuka has not faced much of the quote-unquote Divas Revolution, the four horsewomen, if you will. The only one she wrestled was Bailey. So there's intrigue there. While, so while the women's division has, you know, come into its own on these respective main rosters separately... I don't think either one of them has the widespread level of interest amongst the audience of these shows, as did the women's division have, you know, captured the imagination of the NXT audience. Yes. Proportionally. The mainstream speaking. audience will not be as interested in Sasha versus Charlotte or Sasha versus Bailey even as the NXT crowd was. Right. That's sort of what I'm feeling yeah. currently. They'll main event I could see them main eventing Raws and SmackDowns multiple times over the next twelve months. I if they do get that opportunity, I'll be the first one to applaud. Like I think it's great. But I also don't want them just to force it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as long as they're now just doing reruns of matches that we've already seen, feuds we've already seen in NXT, I don't know that anything that they're doing merits it at this point. But isn't that the problem that we're going to get with the existence of NXT in and of itself, specifically as it pertains to the women's division? The numbers are, yes the numbers no. are just so limited. There's only so many different combinations. Again, Asuka comes up, I've, Asuka comes up to... I've never... Right. 
But to your point, I've never seen Charlotte versus No, Oscar. and I gotta say, Charlotte Oscar, Sasha Oscar, Becky Oscar, all new. Right. And then I That's guess it. when, you know, Ember Moon comes up, that'll be new. But I mean you put Bailey over on SmackDown and I've never seen her against Nikki Bella. You're right. You're right, you're right. And and again, I think we've seen, you know, Sasha and Charlotte, Bailey had her moment kind of in the title picture. She wasn't there as far as I can remember on Raw. It was Sasha and it was Charlotte. And maybe that's gearing up for Hell in a Cell, but I imagine we're gonna see Bailey versus Dana. If yeah, she's in maybe. it at all. Or Bailey versus Nia Jax. Which was so much fun the last time we saw it. The last several times we yeah. saw it. Alright. So I uh, and again, we're 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 having this discussion with each other, but the neighborhood is certainly invited to chime in at DC Matthews NAI at Doc Manson DDT Wrestling at gmail.com. If you feel otherwise, if you feel like women are going to start taking these serious positions of power in terms of the match order and such in the company give us your reasoning we'll discuss it on the air maybe you can convince us but we seem fairly in agreement as we do with most things uh do you have any thoughts at all as to the whole tna being up for sale wwe could potentially be interested the sky from smashing pumpkins might be potentially interested yeah it's a cluster that's really all I know. Um, it sounds like I don't think the guy from Smashing Pumpkins could actually buy that company. I think he's got enough independent wealth um, to actually offer whatever the, the selling price is. But it sounds like that company has so much debt that I don't know that he could feasibly expect to turn that business around without just blowing all $40 million that he has in the bank. Um so what we're really talking about is can he get co-investors? And the story thus far has been no, no, he cannot. So he seems like he's not in the picture, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Aero Lux is a company who already has invested heavily in TNA. They have fronted a good deal of the money. So anybody who buys TNA is going to owe them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that probably is scaring off a lot of potential suitors who would want to keep the company operational. Um, but, I mean, that leaves WWE, right? Somebody who's going to take the tape catalog, shut it down, and maybe take a couple of talent. But I don't even know it. if they would do that. You know, I think, yeah. I think they would take the library. And, you know, on NAI Pod this week, the, the boys talked about whether or not you know, we would see TNA pay-per-views and such on the network. I certainly hope so. And it would it would be odd for them to buy the library and then not utilize it. You know, spending however much many millions of dollars, I have no idea what it's going to even go for. Five million, eight million, whatever. I think it'll be substantial. I don't think it'll be disclosed. But I would be very surprised if the figure is... It depends on who buys it. I think if the company legitimately gets sold, you could be talking about up to $4 million, maybe 
probably substantially less. If we're talking about the WWE buying basically the rights to the tape library and shutting them down, we could be talking more like $400,000. Wow. And wow. Like, I honestly don't think yeah. it's going to be very I know much. Vince McMahon bought WCW for a ridiculously low figure. Like at that point, he purchased it for the WCW had value yes. in the brand name. Yes, but it was still. I'm TNA trying to look. Does I think not. Jason Maltov talked about it recently on Twitter, so I'm trying to look it up. I felt like it. I was believe that the the price like of that sale has never has never been officially um, confirmed. Ah, well, maybe that's it. But yeah, I think that probably is ballpark, correct? Seven, eight million. Yeah. And think about that. And then think about the WCW legacy. Think about the Monday Night Wars. And then think about TNA. Yeah, $250,000 would not surprise me. And admittedly, I mean, Dixie Carter's in charge. Every report you hear says that she is delusional. So I think that's probably been a big part of the problem here is she's not willing to sell it for what it's worth. Um, so I'm very interested to see how this plays out because I don't think any shrewd businessman, and we all know Vince McMahon is a shrewd businessman, would overpay for this. No. And, and again, it depends on what he's looking for. If, as the NAI pod boys suspect, he's literally buying it solely so that he can do an AJ Styles retrospective or, you know, if he's buying it for a handful of images that he can use so he can own, you know, Ric Flair's TNA run so he can include any of that so he can include Sting's TNA run and stuff. Yeah, what well, you know, it's probably not worth it enough to him if Dixie Carter digs her heels in and says you need to pay me X amount of dollars and I'm not budging. Vince McMahon will just walk away, but... He'll just wait until the company liquidates. Yeah. But, you know, I again, and this is part of me being just an Uber fan who wants to be able to sit down with you and watch Bound for Glory or Destination X or Lockdown, any of those pay-per-views that, you know, we may have missed or watch again, but why would you buy it if you weren't going to just put it up? You know, the WWE Network seems to be wanting to become the repository for, quote unquote, all wrestling everywhere. It is interesting, though, because there's definitely a different mentality um, in terms of how the WWE has publicly been perceived to acknowledge TNA as opposed to other wrestling oh, companies. Yes. Uh, that, is, that is to say the WWE does not acknowledge TNA at all as competition in the slightest. Um, and I don't think that's the case with any of the other companies. No. Well, because, they, you know, Ring of Honor, they've acknowledged as a kind of proving ground for talents. You know, so they tr they treat it in many ways like a kind of minor league sort of thing. You know, they obviously had to talk about WCW and ECW back when TNA, you know, has been known as Florida. You know, that was John Cena's promo where he talked about if, you know, he, back when he was feuding with some authority figure, going back to our one of our original conversations this evening, he said, you know, 
I could leave here and go get a job in Florida tomorrow. And everyone was like, oh, we know what he means. But. Right. All right. So, yeah. You know, I, I, I can't imagine there being any talents on the TNA roster that WWE would want anything to do with. If this was five years ago, maybe you sign Abyss and try to turn him into the next dominant big guy. But. You know, yeah. are they going to not so much anymore? You know, and again, this is this was talked about on the iPod, but it's not like the Hardy Boys are going to do anything fantastic if you bring them back. You're not going to re-sign Damian Sandow. You know what will be hilarious? Going to re-sign Cody no, Rhodes? What will be? You know, it will. I will feel bad for those two guys specifically because you know here we go. We're away from WWE. We're getting our feet under us. Here we are. We're starting with a new company. And then WWE buys it, and now that, you know, whatever the... Now, granted, I don't know how much they were getting paid or even if they were getting paid knowing the history of TNA the way I do, but, you know. I could see them bringing in... I don't know. Maybe they would take Bobby Lashley. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and again, it depends on... Maybe they would take Drew Galloway. It depends on how much... And, you know, whether or not there would be even any interest on the side of those wrestlers. I could see them taking on Matt Hardy. Broken Matt Hardy or Matt Hardy? Yes. I could see them taking on broken Matt Hardy because they, they've heard the deletion chants during Raw and SmackDown. Mm. They know what that is. They're not dumb. Vince McMahon is happy to make a dollar on someone else's back and in ingenuity. But they will run it into the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this, and I tweeted this out earlier. Matt Hardy is the only person in the world that I will accept as being Sister Abigail. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Do we have any emails, sir? Do we have any of yes, these we beautiful, do. beautiful emails at ddtwrestling at gmail.com? This first one comes in from Mitchell Monroe with a non-wrestling question. So, I know you all have mentioned you did improv in college. What's your favorite improv game and why? Mind Film Review, a game where the reviewer makes up a story and the actors play it out. It's just a sentimental favorite because of fond memories. Anyways, what about y'all? Mitchell Monroe. What's your favorite improv game? Hmm. That is a tough one because there are a lot you know, if you have never seen, you know, a lot of the the NAI network folk have some theater background, and that makes sense, being that we perform on a weekly basis in this format. Um, there's a ton of improv games. I have never actually seen film review. It reminds me of Slideshow, which I like to think was my particular favorite game to perform in. You know, I, if you've we're talking essentially kind of short form improv. There's short form and long form. Uh, long form is more like a play that is made up. Short form are more like your theater games that you would expect from like a whose line is it anyway. Would you agree with that distinction? Yeah, that sounds good. So it's a game where somebody gets up and acts as if they are a historian on a specific topic, or really they could do any sort of slideshow. And there are other actors in the scene and when the presenter clicks or pretends to click a button they jump into a pose and then the presenter has to use their particular poses 
and incorporate it into the presentation on whatever topic they were speaking of. So being a history major in college or a history education major in college, I enjoyed trying to incorporate the history of whatever various uh, civilizations or whatever with those. So I would go with that one. Okay. What about you? Um, I was always very fond of catastrophe compression. So this Explain. is a game in which uh, two actors, two players are given a catastrophe as some sort of disaster and typically like a scene as well. And initially they have 60 seconds to act out a scene in which this catastrophe occurs. And then the compression part comes in because after the 60 seconds are over, time is called and the scene is reset and the two players are supposed to act out the exact same scene that they just did, but then they do it in 30 seconds. And then time is called. They do the exact same scene in 15 seconds. They do it again in five seconds. And finally, they will do the entire 60-second scene in one second. And that is a very tends to be a very physical game, but it also has you know opportunities for very smart dialogue. And I've always sort of uh, appreciated that game very much mm-hmm. so for being very well-rounded. I will give an honorable mention to a game that came to us slash me more recently, and that was, uh, I believe it's called Location, Career, and Death. Oh, LCD is fantastic. I love LCD. And LCD is a game where it's played by four people, and it's essentially a game of telephone. So it's played by four people, three of them... It's a mixture mixture of telephone and charades. There you go. Three people leave the room. The first person gets uh, a location, a career, and a creative form of death. The second person comes into the room, and the first person... LCD is one of my favorites. And the first person needs to silently communicate to the second person what the location is, what the career is, and what the form of death is. And when the second person believes they know each one, they either spin around and clap, or they make some sort of gesture to indicate that they now know it. So the second person doesn't say a word, but in their head they have an idea which might be right and it might be wrong. Then the third person comes out, and the second person then, so it's again, like telephone, it transfers around, but it is, as Doc Manson put it, played as if charades. So then the second person needs to communicate it to the third person, who then communicates it to the fourth, and then you reveal what all four believed, and the hilarity ensues as you try to figure out how it got from whatever it started with to whatever it ended with. And sometimes it's very impressive when the idea actually is communicated all the yes. way through. Um, so yeah, that is a fantastic. I also enjoy when you can watch the mindset of the person. So you watch that second person, and you're like, "Oh, I see. They saw this particular thing and assumed it was, you know, the archaeologist right. is digging for treasure. They saw this that digging. They believed it's a grave digger. So now they're doing that, the grave digger piece. And this that game can be. Um can be boring because sometimes you know inexperienced players may be inclined to simply mimic the action that the person before them did so when i was mc of our group um this was it long after you were gone of course because you were the original and best mc but once when and during my days i would always try to encourage the players that once you have an idea of what it is, you know, synthesize that in your mind. Just decide that what you saw was this thing. 
and when it's your turn to pass it on to the next person, come up with a related action. Don't just mimic what you saw because you have no earthly idea. Make a decision, commit to it, and grow. Mm -hmm. And it would just go ridiculous places when you really encourage people to be creative in that way. Uh, so that, that really is one of my favorites. I think that, in and of itself, that explanation right there, now granted, none of the neighborhood knows us in this instance, but you just explained, oddly enough, the difference between you and I as MCs. I, I rarely, if ever, went into the psychology and the thought process. Oddly enough, for someone who is a teacher, I did not teach the games. I Correct. managed the games. I orchestrated the games. I kind of, you know, organized them. But you went in and actually taught these improvisers how to play the games. And I, I am honestly a little envious of that, just listening to that right now, being like, man, I missed a great opportunity to, you know, to do that sort of stuff. So... I applaud you, sir. Now, here is my related question. Yeah. I have this dream in my head that we could someday combine the best of improv games with professional wrestling. Well, I've got to tell you, DC, um, my desire to perform in a theatrical manner, improv or otherwise was sort of the impetus behind the creation of the Weekly Wrestling News. I believe it. Um, so, I mean, as you know, I, while I do script a lot of the jokes, a lot of the interview segments that we've done have been improv Admittedly, you know, they're not laugh-out-loud funny or anything, but I think they all maintain a certain level of bemusement. Um, and I think that, you know, as we... Um, continue uh things may get sharper uh, there's we have a few old improv friends who i would really like to get involved in the weekly wrestling news mm -hmm. as well um but unfortunately i don't see them very often but i am i am literally referring to the games themselves not just the improvising because you and i as evidenced by anyone who's listened to these shows we do very little in the way of pre-planning we get, we get sure. on Skype with each other and you inevitably say, so what are we going to talk about? And my response is almost always, eh. I've got a couple of like little like notes. Like I literally wrote down TNA and I wrote down women plus HIAC for Hell in a Cell. That is the, ex that is the extent of my show prep for this. So, you know, there is obviously improvising here, but I'm, I'm literally trying to think about how could we take a game like catastrophe compression and how could we turn that into a you know and again i maybe it wouldn't work in an audio podcast maybe we'd have to find different right. games but i you know i think there's something there and maybe it will turn out to be a visual idea maybe that'll it'll have to be something like that because it can't work purely in an audio form there are enough games that probably would work in a purely audio form, but it would be probably more contrived than you would want it to right. be. I think you're right. Because, again, I've always, the, the game that always comes to mind is Alphabet, and we've talked about this, where you do a scene, and each sentence needs to start with the next letter of the alphabet. So if you start with J, you go all the way through the alphabet and around back to J again. But I, I agree. Con it would be contrived. So right. 
You could do number of words yep. where we're assigned a certain number of words per sentence that we're allowed to say. We go back yep. and forth. I mean, you could do questions only where, as the title says, we must talk to each other in questions. Um, you could do sound effects where, you know, yes. one of us starts just making mouth noises. And, but again, uh, there's only so much you can do in a purely I audio format. And, and I do think the, the secret is in more of a weekly wrestling news type thing. And, you know, I don't know whether or not all of the NAI pod people have had a chance to hear the weekly wrestling news, but I believe when they do, they are going to see the value in it. Because that strikes me as something that your nemesis, Liam Stryker, would chop off a limb to be a part of. Because that's... I would think so. Seems like it's right up his alley. And again, I, I've mentioned this, whether it was on the air or off the air. I believe one of these times for a private earful, we really should just send a greatest hits of you know, the weekly wrestling news out there so that people could, you know, get an idea of the only, the only problem with the weekly wrestling news is it's topical. You know, I feel like you'd have to greatest hits. I don't know if they necessarily could do a month in review. You could do a month. Right. But it would would have to be a unique show or are you saying a month in review is just the, the, the structure and I would just pull, I think you would pull all of the best stuff. Like, you know, you could pull, you know, you talked to Dale Jennings. You could, you know, put some of that on there. All of, you know, the the stuff about Vince McMahon hurting himself, I think, should, you know, could be part of it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it wouldn't necessarily work. I've got something for you that I've in the process of working on. I got distracted by uh, my stupid idiot song. But, you know, either way, I think I think you're on to something here. What I'm trying to say. I want to publicly give you the praise that you so richly deserve and demand by saying, I think you're on to something here. I I could see the weekly wrestling news being, you know, a segment on a greater sketch comedy type show about professional wrestling. Um, Liam Stryker, you have to be listening to this. I know it's an hour and 25 minutes into the show. And let's be honest, nobody is still listening to this. Uh, I'm sure Pav is because he's got the next right. email Pav does greetings team DDT what are your thoughts with this brand split of Mick Foley and Daniel Bryan really pushed as not being so called corporate lackeys like Brad Maddox and Jonathan Coachman were in the past as GMs then can challenge Stephanie and Shane's authority so hold on let's, let's make sure we've got this here alright Let's unpack this run-on sentence. All right. So he's talking about how Mick Foley and Daniel Bryan are not puppets. Corporate lackeys. Yes. Okay. Um, Mick Foley totally is a puppet of Stephanie. But as he says here in the email, and excuse me, Casey, let me just jump through here. We've, We've seen Mick Foley <laughs> overrule Stephanie suspending Seth I hate you. and make a steel cage match against her wishes. And could you imagine during the days of the authority where no one got over and Stephanie emasculated heels that Mick Foley or anyone would interpret her entrance before she even got interrupt. to interrupt interrupt her ent- in all fairness. That was me, not Puff. interrupt her entrance before she even got to the ring like he did last week. Even Dusty allegedly got backstage heat for putting his hand in her face. Such was the nature back then. I don't think things have changed as much as Pav would like to believe they have. Doc made a point in August of how Shane just follows Daniel Bryan around lingering in the background. 
replicating the premise set on Raw and done by design. So what do you guys think? Don't you think the subtle things that not all may have noticed yet help the respective GMs not seem inferior to the McMahon name that clouds over them? And how has it helped? Your bestie, the Pav. Hmm. I disagree with the premise in terms of Raw. Um, I think Shane's doing just fine with Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, and they treat it sort of as being equals. Mm-hmm. I think Raw has ups and downs. For for every Raw moment where Mick Foley does overrule Stephanie, making a steel cage match against her wishes, there are moments like we saw last week, in which we've already talked about on this show, where he goes to confront her and then winds up cowering like a scared puppy. And even when he doesn't cower... The other option is he comes off as though he genuinely believes her, which just makes him seem like an idiot. Yes. Lost on his way back from the jello cart. Uh, which is just a really just another interpretation of being a lackey, I think. The power structure is different on both shows, and I think it goes along with the Stephanie McMahon character, you know, you're not wrong. But at the same time, that's part of the problem. The problem is that character is the same character it's always been. The times I have enjoyed Stephanie McMahon during this brand split are the times where she has not seemed like Stephanie McMahon. It's where she's yep. had a little bit of a different edge or a different side of her that... I found the most interesting. And it just becomes increasingly obvious that there is no other side to her. Not really. Just wait for a book to come out. Four years. In four years, we're going to find out some great stuff. We're going to learn about Stephanie McMahon, the humanitarian. Stephanie McMahon, who enjoys long walks on the beach, short walks on the beach, and other activities that are beach-related. Maybe you'll learn about it, but I won't, because I won't be reading it. I'm good. We're going to be podcasting. I will read excerpts of it. Every t- every week on DDT Wrestling episodes two hundred and fifty to three hundred, I'll be I'll be reading them to you. All right, just as long as we're watching Total Divas on a private ear. We'll be done with it by then. Well, maybe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are up. Oh, look at that. We had just hit the hour thirty mark. It's we Amazing. are we are truly truly gifted. And we deserve more praise and more emails. DDTWrestling at gmail.com. We deserve more uh, iTunes reviews. I don't remember the last time we even checked to look and see if we got iTunes reviews. I, I do check pretty regularly. Um, we have not had any new ones in months. We need to be able to offer something. What can we offer people for providing us with these reviews? What sort of incentive can we provide Mm, oh, I know. I know. Um, DC Matthews will come to your house and he will pre-chew your dinner and regurgitate it into your mouth. We're going to need a lot of reviews before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for our, like, 200th review. What, what is the number of reviews we need before we get fancy iTunes privileges? Don't we need, like, 50 yeah, I think it's like 40 or something like right. that. But also, I think the time frame that you receive them also matters. And 
I don't. I don't know. So that we're we screwed. Kind of is what you're saying. We're screwed. Yeah. Cor- yeah. That's okay. correct. Just. But I would love to have more reviews. All right. Well, we only have eleven. We want more reviews. We want more emails. We want more of you to buy our T-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash newageinsiders. Buy our shirt. Buy all the shirts of the NAI Network, Ant McCool and Company. There should be a late night Liam shirt. Why isn't that a thing? Why isn't late night Liam Stryker listening to this and talking to us about a wrestling sketch show, which would be amazing? All right. Uh, your piece of positivity, sir. What's getting you through the week? What's been going on on Lucha Underground? Oh, man. Um, I There's this thing going on with Prince Puma and uh, Mil Muertes. Still? They're kind of... Yeah, still. Um, it's It's been built back up now um, to the point where Prince Puma has had sort of you know, lost his um, his belief that he that he could sort of that he could stand up to Milmuertes, I think, and so he, this is sort of like a redemption sort of thing going on now. And then uh, Dragon Azteca Junior is going to be feuding with um, Pentagon Dark, which I think will be and interesting. Dragon Azteca uh, Junior is different than Drago. Very different. Drago is currently part of the um, the trios champions with Phoenix and Aerostar, I so, believe. Correct, and they teamed with Sexy Star this week against the Worldwide Underground, um, whom is uh, Johnny Mundo, Taya, the Darewolf, PJ Black. That's the dumbest name I've ever heard. And they say it like that every time. Every time they say the dare wolf, they say it every time they say his name. And then what's the other guy's name? I forget his name. TJ something. Maybe? I, I want to call him Jack Black, but I know that's not his name. I know who you're talking. Jack Evans. Jack Thank Evans. You. Jack Evans. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was an excellent match. Um, All the guys are talented. Good character development. Uh, PJ yeah. Black, aka Justin Gabriel. If you don't watch Lucha Underground, and you remember him from WWE. Is a great wrestler. With the dumbest name I've ever heard. The Dare Wolf. What does that even mean? I don't You're a daredevil, but you're also a lone wolf, yet you're in a stable. I, I will say that it sound, that at every opportunity, they sort of wink at the audience when that thing gets said. Okay. Um, Dario has said other things sometimes, and somebody usually corrects him, and he's usually just like, yeah, whatever. The Dario Wolf, <laughs> PJ Black. All right. Yeah, it's it's it is actually so pretty I, good. I I forced you to talk about it, but is that your piece of positivity, or do you have something else for us? Um, I don't know. I think um, you know, there's some real good stuff happening on SmackDown. Um, the uh, the Blair Wyatt, or um, you know, the Bray Witch, whatever you want to call it, segments from SmackDown this week were sort of engaging and original and different. I like, the, um, I like Eric Rowan's new sheep mask. He's got the ram to... horns. That actually works for him. Yeah. There was something to that. Uh, made me care where about is, Wyatt and Randy Orton in a way that I Where don't. is Luke Harper? That's what I need to know, though. He's hanging out backstage on Raw, not being used. So sad. 
Yeah. That was good stuff. The stuff going on with Miz and Dolph is great. The stuff going on with uh, Dean Ambrose and John Cena, his words that he had on Talking Smack, I think that was excellent as well. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick, it's definitely the Blair uh, Witch there, the, the Blair Wyatt or whatever you want to call it. Those segments were original and different in a way that you could see how they were reaching to emulate you know, the, the final deletion stuff with the Wyatt's compound feud with New Day. But I actually think this was far more effective because they did something more cinematic and yet did their own thing with it. And for that, I think it was far more successful than the compound match that they had aired on Raw previously. I agree. I agree. It was very intriguing. All right. I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit more about the uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I enjoyed it last year. I enjoy tournaments and things of that nature. And... What? I did not like the Dusty Classic. I didn't have... I did not... It was just like two months of NXT that, to me, I didn't want to watch. I did not like the way it ended with Finn Balor and Samoa Joe winning. I assume this year it's going to be won by an actual team. But among the teams, I mentioned the Glorious Tens. You're giving me the look. I know you don't necessarily agree with that, but... Would you call the Glorious Tens an actual team? No, but I don't think they're going to win. Okay. I, this is the revivals to lose. The revival are the the quintessential Dusty Rhodes style tag team. They will be out in the first round. I don't think so. I think they at least make it to the finals. But among the other teams, which is why I'm excited. Don't don't poo poo my positivity, sir. Oh, I am poo pooing it. Uh, Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger. Gargano and Champa are in it, which is good. Um, Andrade, Cien, Almas, and Cedric Alexander, which is an odd pairing, but anytime I get more Cedric Alexander, I like it. That could, they could go all the way. They could really stop win this. Stop it! Will you stop? Uh, and then the team that I'm sure a lot of people are intrigued by. I'm interested in it. But you know they haven't announced all the teams yet. But another team is Hideo Itami teaming with Kota Ibushi. Oh man, that sounds like a really great not a tag team who could possibly actually go all the way in this tournament and win it at the end. I'd like to point out that I supported your Bray Witch stuff. I backed you up. I listened to every one of your podcasts, and I'm talking about something I'm excited about, and you are just dismissive and sarcastic, and you made fun of me when my ice cream exploded all over my hands. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, sometimes. Can I ask you a serious question yes. though, for a second? Um I did not watch NXT this week, and so you're going to spoil a little bit for me now. The Dusty Classic is returning, apparently. Um, Is it going to be a classic tournament like the Cruiserweight Classic was its own show on the network? Or is it just going to be on NXT? It is going to take place on NXT, and it will culminate at the next TakeOver in Toronto in November. 
And so are we still going to get other matches on NXT or is there no reason for me to watch NXT between now and November? It is a 16 team tournament. So I imagine there will be at least one to two matches, but NXT will fit four or five matches into a show. So I imagine you, you, you missed Oscar. Oscar wrestled this week on NXT. I didn't miss her. I will watch that episode. She wrestled Liv Morgan. I'm sure that was a fantastic physical We saw contest. Ember Moon versus Mandy Rose. Ty Dillinger wrestled. I'm sure that was a fantastic physical contest. Akeem and Razor. Can I ask you a serious question? Can Liv Morgan or Mandy Rose wrestle? Can either of them keep up with either of the two people they faced this week? You'll have to watch NXT with me on a private earful and find out. I guess I will. I guess I will. All right, then, friends. We are out of time. And I don't mean that literally because we have plenty of time, but we're out of things to talk about, I suppose. Um, I expect a pumpkin ale next week. I'm just going to say it again. I expect a pumpkin ale of some type. All right. We'll see what I can do. Maybe I will try to procure myself a hard apple cider and we can do a seasonal. A hard pumpkin cider. Those exist now. I don't like beer in general, so the fact that you would add pumpkin to it... I've had a hard apple cider, which was quite tasty. But that's not a beer. That's a cider. We'll talk about this when we get into this next week, because otherwise we're going to go down another 10-minute discussion of the differences between these things. All right. Anything else you would like to say, sir, before we head out into that good night? Good night. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, DDT Wrestling at gmail.com. We will see you around the neighborhood. Da, 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 da. Wah.